and welcome to another episode of the Library of the Island Book Boy podcast. This week I'm lucky to be interviewing the rather wonderful Vashti Hardy about her debut novel Brightstorm, her latest novel Wild Spark which is out in all good bookshops now and her very exciting release next spring which is a sequel to her Brightstorm book. Hope you enjoy! Right, hello everyone. Today we are very lucky because we have Vashti Hardy on the podcast tonight talking about her brilliant debut nev- um, novel, Brightstorm, and also about her newest release, Wild Spark, which is very exciting. Good evening. Good evening, and thank you for having me along. My absolute pre- um, pleasure. So, shall we start with telling us a little bit about your cracking first novel, um, Brightstorm? Yes, so um, Brightstorm is set in a fantasy world and it's a world that centers around explorers so in the world of Brightstorm explorers are uh, a bit like the celebrities of of that world and there are lots of places in the world of Brightstorm that haven't been discovered yet so are yet to be explored Um, hence why I set it on another on a made-up world because I thought well we've explored most places on our own planet so mm-hmm. um, I want to sort of create some new new places to be discovered so that's kind of what it's about and uh, the two central characters are twins Arthur and Maudie Brightstorm and uh, the the story starts with um, some very sad news I'm I'm sorry to to say, we we like to do that to our characters, us authors do nasty things. So the twins find out at the beginning that their dad, who's an explorer, has lost his life trying to get somewhere called the South Polaris in that world, which is a little bit like our South South Pole, but but different as well. So um, they're told a story that they're their father was trying to um, was trying to get to South Polaris, but had stolen fuel off a rival skyship. And um, the twins sort of think to themselves, "Well, you know, this isn't this doesn't ring true. Our dad wouldn't have done that. He's a he was a good, kind, honest, um, great man." And um, they know that there's something amiss about the story they've been told. So they decide the only way to get the other adults in the world to believe them is to follow in their father's footsteps and um, go to the South Polaris themselves on an expedition and search for the truth and find the clues on the way that might sort of clear their father's name and, and sort of give them some peace, I suppose, and some answers. Yes, and it's it's unsurprisingly been really well received by um, its readers, child and adults alike, and it's been nominated for lots and lots of awards, and it's being used all over the country in in lots of different primary schools. Why do you think this is, and how does it make you feel when you see that schools are using your book to inspire their writing? Oh, do you know it's it's amazing. It's really um, unexpected and. Um, and just just lovely to see it being so well received and I think it it's sort of I think there's something about it that taps into all our, our inner inner adventurer and explorer and and um you know whilst also being 
you know, the sort of book that lends itself quite well to being used in the classroom um, creatively. I think a lot of the, the ways that it's been sort of used are much more um, much more creative ideas than I could have ever ever thought of. But I think because of the the sort of the imaginative side of it and the characters and the links to sort of, you know, maybe climate and um, explorers, it, it just kind of lends itself to being used in the classroom um, quite well. And also I think it, it's got um, a nice um, appeal to boys and girls and sort of um, feeds up into the adult, the parent readers um, enjoy it as well. So it's a good book to read with the family or for the teacher to read uh, to the children in the classes as well. But yeah, there's some, I've seen some amazing ways it's been used um, on my visits to schools and things. I went to one school visit and I arrived in the school and the teacher said to me, oh, the children aren't quite ready for you yet. They've just been making some sky ships in the garden. Uh, and I was like, oh, that, that's good. She said, would you like to come and see them? They're dying to show you. I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe they've got some cardboard boxes or some, you know, a bit of, bit of glue, sticky black plastic. And yeah. bit of paper. we'll see what they've done. And I went out, out into the school's garden and they'd they'd made almost life life-size sky ships from all, everything that they could find so they they'd used all the PE equipment the climbing frames um trees uh, big tarpaulins and ropes and and wheels and all sorts of things and they'd made you know huge sort of life-size sky ships almost and they'd they'd worked in teams together assigned crew members had made like mud mud marsh cakes wow. <laughs> and things like things like that so it was lovely and then they talked to me about the sort of engines and how they run on water and were ecological and things like that so it was it was really beautiful to see so many different sort of learning areas coming from from the book and from their ideas as well so that's just like one example of, of how I've seen it used which has has been lovely yeah, and you're saying about it. Um, enjoyed being read by adults and by children. I had to read it. Not not had to. I had the pleasure <laughs> of reading it um twice in quick succession. So I read it myself, and then my oldest son saw me reading it and wanted to read it himself. So we had it as his next bedtime story, and um he it thoroughly captured his imagination too. Oh, um, that's lovely to hear. Really lovely. It just it makes me. I I think um when I meet readers when I go into to schools, I see. I love seeing that twinkle in a reader's eye when they've read the book and they've really sort of gone on that personal journey I like to feel like the readers are, are like an extra member of the crew a little stowaway on, on the sky ship with Arthur and Maudie and yeah that that twinkle in the eye of a reader when they've invested in the story and, and sort of you, you can tell they've really been there in their imagination I think that's really priceless Yes, and that's the mark of a good book, isn't it? I think when you can put yourself in it and you can imagine yourself there along with the characters with the yeah. ups and downs. And... Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's what I, when I read a book, that's what I really look for. I want to feel, you know, you don't want to feel um, any doubt in your mind that this place does exist somewhere, somehow, and that the characters are, are real. You, yeah, when you're in the story, you want to really be um, 
absorbed by it imagine you know you, you don't feel the edges to that world it's like that that world is is a big real world with a history and a future and a now going on no definitely. <laughs> it leads on nicely to my next question which obviously you've mentioned that um, the book is set in a world like our world but not our world because you wanted there to be lots of new undiscovered places for your characters to explore is this kind of based around a desire of yours to explore and travel or are you more of an armchair traveler do you know I wish I could travel more I think um, you know traveling is expensive often you know we, we can all do a certain amount of, of exploring without having much money in our in our own environments but when I was growing up we didn't have much money for holidays. My, all my exploring was in my nan's back garden, <laughs> really, which mm-hmm. is where we spent. Um, luckily, she had a lovely big back garden with with lots of trees and interesting things. But but we, you know, I didn't really get to go around the to different countries or anything. And so I've always loved reading and exploring in my imagination through books and make-believe worlds in a way um yeah I, I'd love to explore more I think my inner my inner inner explorer would would love to to be able to sort of yeah get around to different environments and things but it's not always practical so for me when I was growing up like financially and you know then as I grew older I had children and things and it's hard with family sometimes and so so yeah exploring it in my imagination tends to be <laughs> my way through and I love watching programs like um uh there's a new one on Netflix uh the David Attenborough Our Planet yes watching. amazing and just the these things I, and I suppose you get an angle on it that's very hard to see yourself but we're so lucky that we live in a time where we can access um information and uh, programs about the natural world and what's happening in different environments and and sort of without having to to go places and and yeah it's yeah I do I do lots of watching of those sort of programs and, and obviously things like Bear Grylls are, are great great for yes. when yes, you... we're obsessive Bear Grylls watchers I was watching I came down to have breakfast one morning and my boys were down before me and they were watching Bear Grylls and it was the episode where he was demonstrating um, various ways of collecting water if you're out in the desert oh brilliant one involved a, a dried out snake skin and some of his own bodily <laughs> fluids <laughs> some involved squeezing out some dung it was not what I wanted when I was oh, eating my I've shreddies seen the, I've seen the dung one that, that <laughs> mm. I watched it with interest there's part of me that thinks do you know what I I would love to 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 do something like that and ex- no. experience it because I think you I would rise to the challenge of it I'm I'm quite tenacious so I'd I'd give it everything I've got rather than than fail or give up but also there's something comforting comforting about doing it from your armchair as well and yeah. watching Bear Grylls be the one that's sort of wringing out the dung to drink drink some water and things but it's a great I think also this is something when I do school visits I often show children the clip that I use to write one of the scenes in Brightstorm and it's the scene where Arthur falls into quicksand and Mm -hmm. when I was writing it I thought oh you know I'd 
I've never fallen into quicksand, don't particularly want to, quite dangerous. I can't, I don't really know much about how to get Arthur out of this. And then I thought, oh, I know, I know who would have probably done this, Bear Grylls. <laughs> so I just Googled Bear Grylls quicksand. And of course, that there's, there's a, a good clip of him falling into quicksand and describing how to, how you get out of it. And it, it wouldn't have been what I would have written. So I would have got it completely wrong without doing a bit of research. But I think it's really important for children to know that you can write about these sort of situations and different environments and climates without necessarily having to go there. You can access it through a different different way. Um, it's not just you know for for people that that can go out to the desert or, or wherever. Um, you, yeah, there's there's a way a way through through it so I quite like showing them that clip it always goes down quite well yeah no it's one of his least disgusting clips yeah I it's, it's quite yeah it's, it's a good one definitely brilliant um so another um, a really strong theme that comes through in Brightstorm and in your new book Wild Spark is the kind of science mechanics engineering a really strong kind of stem theme that runs mm-hmm. through them both um, why did you why this is obviously something that's important to you because it features in both your books so why did you make this one of the central themes well I've I've always loved um, a broad range of subjects when I was at school I was I was one of these children that 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 liked you know everything from physics English art PE I I love I just loved everything and science subjects I really enjoyed um yeah loved biology physics chemistry and when I got to doing my A-levels I signed up for physics and maths and electronics and when I was doing my GCSEs I had a teacher that a male teacher that said to me oh you're really good at at science you should think about doing it for A-levels I thought oh do you know what I'd never really thought of that and actually that's a great idea so I signed up for it then when I went along to my A-levels, that teacher had moved um, to another school. So I'd lost that sort of the voice of support that was like, yeah, you can do this. And I found myself the only girl in a class full of boys, mm. which which kind of is fine. and But but it also not when you're a teenager. And, and I was thinking, yeah. oh, what, what am I doing? And I think because I'd lost that champion who, who, was, who was sort of saying oh no you can do this you know don't don't worry about that I I just in the end I ended up changing my A-levels to I think I did geography and art and history of art um which I don't regret now but there's part of me that feels a little bit annoyed I suppose at myself and thinks oh why why didn't you just push on through and do it anyway but I don't regret it because I think you I'm a believer that you kind of get to where you where you should be anyway and I probably wouldn't have ended up being a writer if I'd have gone gone that route but also I think it's a good example of of how you you know you there are barriers um with regards to gender and an achievement I mean historically um, females in STEM subjects have been often overlooked or um, mm. you know that there are there are my, uh, the history of our world 
you know there are a lot of inequalities and especially with gender so I think that's why in the worlds that I've created with Brightstorm and Wildspark as well the jo- the joy of creating your own, own world is that you get to make the own your your own rules about what the problems are in our own world that you might like to reflect in your world and what you might like to get rid of so for me I thought well in my world I want to imagine gender has never been a barrier to achievement so what would that world look like if 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 females you know and males were very sort of even in the world of of STEM subjects that's the sort of world I'd like to see so yeah I'll create that that world because I think sometimes there's a tendency if you're creating a Victorian feel world you might sort of reflect um our own Victorian gender inequalities and I I sort of made that conscious decision that that's what wasn't the way I was going to go there are other problems that I do mirror from our own world like the social um inequalities um but not gender so yeah, I, th- I thought that that's the, the world I'd like to to create. So I suppose Maudie Brightstorm is, in a way, she's a little bit of a young a young me, <laughs> in yes. sort of following the things that she's she's passionate uh, about, if that makes any sense at all. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. And it is, you know, we need, um, you know, in in both boys and girls, we obviously we need inventive, creative minds and you know boys and girls you know whatever their spark and their their thing is in life I'd like to think that you know the more the less barriers we can we can have in their way the the better our world will be for for all yeah no I agree and I think books are such a brilliant way of opening people's minds and encouraging everybody to think outside what's expected and outside the norms don't they yeah and I I think often it's we have to as writers or I certainly have to second guess the choices that I make so for example in the proof of Brightstorm there's a a minor character um, that's only mentioned like two three times in the whole whole of the book one of the crew members and at the beginning of the book I'd made there a, a like the second engineer, I think. And I'd made the conscious decision to make them female. And then when I was reading the proof, I'd noticed at the end, I'd put with that character, he said, because in my brain, it was like second engineer, male, he said. (laughs) So we have to be really careful of these decisions that that we make. And those things are a good reminder to to check it. With Wildspark, maybe people will notice this when they read it or or not but I made a couple of decisions there are only really small things that that are subtle um but I I was thinking well we usually say Mr and Mrs in that order so male then female like the Mr is slightly more important maybe than the Mrs and then we say mum and dad so like the mum role the female parent role before the dad parent role so I thought that's quite interesting how in our our brains we tend to always see it in that order so whenever I thought about it I just put it the other way around so I'd write Mrs and Mr 
and dad and mum just just to mix it up a little bit and I think those these little tiny subtle signals are the they're the ripples in the pond aren't they that grows and sort of build our world so the more that we can do to challenge those sort of stereotypes that that we put on the world um the the more sort of balanced it will be hopefully yeah interesting so wild spark this is one actually book boy and i book boy is what i call my son on the internet (laughs) um have been reading um wild spark as a bedtime story because he read the blurb and said mum that sounds like just the kind of book for me so we've been enjoying and loving wild spark which is out imminently isn't it it is second of may exciting so can you tell us a little bit about what wild spark is about and also about how it felt writing a story set in an entirely different world to Brightstorm. It's not a sequel, it's not a following, it's a whole no, separate a whole, a whole adventure. New, new world. But I think it, it will appeal to to the same readership. Yes. And it's got the sort of similar levels of invention. But Bright's um, Wild Spark came from asking a big what if question really. So I was thinking about ghosts. I've always loved ghost ghost stories and I love, love technology as well. So I was thinking, oh, what, what if you could bring ghosts back and you could put them inside very lifelike animal robot machines? Um, what would that world be like? What would the issues be like? What could the story be um, that blossoms from that, that world? Um, and it just really hooked me as an idea. And, and luckily it hooked Scholastic as well because they wanted to... Yes to to publish it so that, that that's what it it grew from just asking that big what if and it it's a slightly I suppose um in, in the thinking there's that that Jurassic Park just because you can doesn't mean you should sort of question mm-hmm. around it so um it's quite nuanced in the in the 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 morals of, of what's going on and and that big question of technology, really, and the pace it, it moves. And these sort of questions can be reflected in our, our own world with technology and what are the, the consequences of, of, of this fast-paced moving changes and, and you know, can, can it be used for good? And, and there's always going to be someone that may want to use it for, for their own needs and in a bad way. So hopefully there are lots of, lots of questions that that will be sparked by by the story as well as being a a, a good old tale about a, a a farm girl going to the city and sort of on a, a mission of her own yes and i have to say i love um just little kind of quirky inventions that have characters of their own mm. which adds a really nice element to the book i really enjoyed reading about all the various tools that were misbehaving and running off and not coming back and Oh yeah, the the hoppity wrench. Yes, <laughs> I like the hoppity wrench. But um, yeah, I think it, it was so fun building that world, though. Even though, I suppose it it would have to some people it might seem strange to do something different and then go back to a bright storm too. But I think it was quite a, a nice move as Scholastic to want to do this next and then to go back to to do a bright storm too. It was lovely to actually just step into another world and ask lots of questions and build build somewhere different 
Um, and it's made it quite fresh going back to Brightstorm too now. It's like, oh, yeah, it's lovely to be back here now as well. So it's a, I suppose it's the nearest you can be to, to being a real life Doctor Who time traveller. <laughs> so dipping between these story worlds is, is great fun yes. for me as a writer. How do you keep them both straight in your head? Do you find yourselves getting yourself getting kind of muddled between the two different worlds or...? Not really. I think because I'm quite visual in how when I'm writing and in how I imagine things that they're sort of got a very clear visual place in my imagination that Mm -hmm. where they don't sort of, yeah, they don't really, they don't blur at all when the technologies are are different. So um, it, it, yeah, it feels sort of quite easy to switch between the two in my, in my mind. Actually, you're right. Thinking about it now, for me, Wild Spark, I think, and I get images in my head of these kind of dark wooden panelled hallways with portraits mm. once um, I get to the city. And then Brightstorm, I do have, it's more of an outdoor mm. kind of image that pops into my my brain. Yeah, I think with Brightstorm, because there's the natural movement you get through, because they're explorers, you're always moving to another place and another scene. So you, that it's it's quite easy to write in that way um and there's lots of things that can go wrong as far as like the natural sort of disasters and things that they they come across but wild spark was a little bit different with because that you know they go to medlock and and it's most of the the scenes <laughs> take place there so it, it doesn't have the same distance movement which was interesting to to sort of tackle that in a different different way yeah but yeah mm. good fun though yes so bright storm 2 tell us what you can about it when is it due to be published have you finished writing it can you give us any hints i've not finished i'm sort of uh, in in the in in the 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 early earlier stages it's quite well planned though i did do that because the turnaround is quite quick uh, it was quite quick with Wild Spark, and it it is with this one. So I've been quite good with planning it all before I get too many words down because mm-hmm. it's it's just the you know the, a better way for me to work more sort of time efficient really. But at the end of Bright Storm, the first Bright Storm, you might sort of remember right at the end. Uh, there's a part where they're reading the newspaper and it says that an explorer Hermitage Rigglesworth has gone missing in the east and they sort of that's sort of just a little sort of thought at the end mm-hmm. so this Brightstorm 2 picks up on on this disappearance of this explorer and things going on in the east and some big surprises that are going to happen there which I can't yeah. wait to <laughs> to sort of write and for people to find out Maudie's got a new invention that she's working on which is mm. top secret but very exciting and there's some new sort of technology that's going to come into it and the environment is a bit more um jungly rainforest this time um, so that's there, there's a few little little hints and oh, no, <laughs> they're good hints to you. So yeah, I think it it's that I mean, it's such a joy of a story to work on because of the the different environments that 
that they can go to and yeah and because it's a fantasy world being able to think right what how can I merge new technology with these new environments what can we do what would fit this world is is yeah very exciting to as a writer so what is the kind of scheduled release date oh so it should be um early next year so around March Oh, in time for my birthday. Perfect. Yes, perfect. It should, should be March. You know, how okay. these things go, but that's kind of when it's, when it's meant. meant I mean, be. no pressure, but I, you know, I would like it to be out for my birthday. Yes, I would possible. do my best, you know. Thank I'm you. Not, I, I do like, like to hit my deadlines. <laughs> Around random people's birthdays. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that's the kind of lovely person that you are. <laughs> I would do it just for you, Jane. I would do it. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's very kind. So I was also wondering if you had ever considered placing your characters into a picture book adventure rather than one of your longer middle grade titles. So I think that'd make amazing picture books. Oh, I think it would be fabulous. I'd love to do that. Um, a few Key Stage 1 teachers on Twitter have mentioned it to me before as well I think mm-hmm. I think um there's maybe a bit of a gap of 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 text that in that sort of genre for that that age range so I think it would be a really really fun project to work work on I think it would lend itself to to a key stage one sort it of would. um picture book type of text so yeah I'd love to do that I mean, Could... I've seen lots of um kind of especially in year two I've seen lots of um, teachers who are doing topics on explorers or certain mm-hmm. habitats and say, what books can you recommend about explorers? And I always try and think of some, but actually yeah. it's quite tricky. Yeah, because, um, yeah, Shackleton's Journey is one that gets linked in quite quite a lot with... Mm. Um, but I've used that in year six, so... Yeah, it's. I think there's, um, yeah, definitely, definitely more more that could be done for that age age group and it'd be so fun to write there could be so many things that 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 you can do with habitats and and explorers and and because it's got the fantasy element to it you can add some lovely sort of magical touches and maybe something with the thought wolves maybe there could be a a little thought wolf spin-off oh you've got me thinking joe this could be (laughs) yes that could Definitely be, yeah. do it. A little, oh, a Thought Wolf adventure could be magical, couldn't that? It would be. It would be amazing. Yeah, I think, I hope I get to do lots more in the Brightstorm world, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it would be, it would be lovely to do something, maybe do a, when Ernest and Violetta and um, Eudora were younger story, perhaps. Yes, and sort like of, a prequel. Yeah, find out a little bit more about what what sort of has made Eudora the way she is. Yeah, she's and truly horrible. She is. She's not great. But I love, you know, I've always been quite fascinated by, uh, I call them a sugar-coated baddie. Yes. <laughs> so these, not what you see on the outside isn't necessarily what's going in, going on inside. And no. Eudora is certainly that's that sort of person and she is and and family relationships as well I, I'm really fascinated by and um you know what what makes family and and the fact that blood necessary doesn't necessarily um make 
the best family. Family can come in lots of different shapes and forms as well, like with with Arthur and Mordy finding their their family really in the crew of the Aurora. So, mm. yeah, these these questions are, are great to ponder. And and even though it's set in a fantasy world, it's these these are, uh, are things that relate to everybody in their everyday life. You know, family, friendship, how we treat other creatures um, and other other worlds and and people around us it's yeah it's something that that's relative all the time yeah no you're right there's so much more to explore isn't there there is there is and yeah I feel very lucky to do what I do and and to lucky that people are reading it really it's just yeah still have to pinch myself and think (laughs) oh wow this is quite amazing that this (laughs) this happened and and that there's another book coming out it's like yay I know it's fantastic it's good for us hard work for you yeah it's it's just yeah it's lovely I yeah I think it's the best job in the world really to to be a writer for children yeah no definitely well thank you very much I've come to the end of all my questions you've answered them beautifully and I can't wait um for people reactions to a wild spark to to come out and um also for bright storm 2 to be released ready for my birthday yeah perfect and um, thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to me and listeners this evening it's always fascinating yeah thank you so much for having me your questions have been been brilliant and sorry i do rabble on a little bit (laughs) no it's good it's brilliant we get lots of nice information and detail out of you so it's fab yeah, hopefully it gives a little bit of an insight into to, um, the inner workings of my slightly bonkers brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it definitely does. But no, thank you very much. And yeah, I am you. going to say thank you and good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you liked the sound of Vashti's books or if you've read and enjoyed them already, lucky you, I have a few more recommendations for you in a similar mechanically minded theme. Firstly, I would like to recommend The Eye of the North, which is written by Sinead O'Hart, probably best for your readers aged nine plus. And it's about Emmeline Widget, whose scientist parents mysteriously disappear when, when they do, she heads for a safe house as instructed because some rather nasty villains are after her. However, to solve the mystery of her parents' disappearance, Emmeline must head to the frozen wastes of the far north with orphan boy Thing. And they're heading towards an ancient legend and mortal danger. A really brilliant read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Another great recommendation for readers age 9 plus is the Cogheart series by Peter Bunzel and in it we meet Lily whose inventor father is missing, presumed dead, following an airship crash after an epic battle. But what secrets was he hiding and why are others so keen to get hold of them? Accompanied by Malkin, her clockwork fox, Lily sets off on a dangerous adventure through steampunk Victorian Britain to uncover the answers to her father's secrets. Um, a great read and it, Cockhart is the first in a trilogy of books around the same theme.
fantastic read. Next up, we have another recommendation for your middle grade fans, that's Readers 9 Plus, and it's The Polar Bear Explorers Club by Alex Bell. Now, this is about Stella, who was abandoned by a baby and found and rescued by explorer Felix. She longs to be an explorer like her adoptive father Felix and go on expeditions to faraway lands, but unfortunately, it's against the rules for females to go on any kind of expeditions. Luckily for her, Felix has very little regard for the rules and takes her on an icy adventure anyway. But when the children get separated from the adults, they have a decision to make. Are they going to continue to make new discoveries and risk not making it back to the ship in time? Or are they going to play it safe and stay put and get on the boat back to their homes. I think you can guess what happens but you will have lots of fun finding out in this um, fairy tale folklore infused adventure. My final recommendation is actually a picture book so for your younger readers 3 plus and it's called Rosie Revere Engineer and is written by Andrea Beatty and illustrated by David, David Roberts. Now it was a picture book originally, but there's also now a first chapter book series for readers who want something a little wordier to enjoy. But in the original picture book, um, we meet Rosie, who is quiet by day, but an inventor at night. She likes nothing better than inventing all sorts of gizmos and gadgets. Um, her attempts, however, to build a flying machine for her aunt don't quite go as planned she's a little disheartened but following some sound words of advice for her aunt she perseveres and enlists her whole class in the inventing for, um, the inventing fun a brilliant series um, there's also a title called ada twist scientist and iggy peck architect all really aspirational great stem themed stories and full of weird and wonderful inventions and scientific investigations. Can't recommend this picture book series enough. So there are plenty of cracking titles there to inspire you armchair explorers. I hope you find something that you really love and I would really enjoy hearing from you if you have tried one of these recommendations and enjoyed it. Um, you can get hold of me directly on the Anchor app by leaving me uh, a voice message or you can contact me on my blog which is www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at booksuperhero2 or you can join my Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group. Please do get in touch. I get to reveal to you lucky listeners who is on my next podcast and I am delighted to let you know that we have the wonderful author and illustrator Duncan Beadie who makes some absolutely fantastic picture books his latest being Molly's Moon Mission about a plucky moth who is determined to make it to the moon no matter what anybody else says. He also shares some very juicy book-based gossip about the Beatle girl herself, M.G. Leonard. So remember to make sure that you download any 
past episodes and that you subscribe to the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast on your listening platform so that you don't miss out on the release of Duncan's um, interview. See you next time. Bye-bye.